Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thanks for joining us for another exciting edition of Take Two. This is Heidi Hatch with KUTV2 News. It is November 17th, the week before Thanksgiving. Mara Carabello's here and John Dougal, the state auditor, is here. Happy Friday to us all. I can't hear you. Let's figure out which microphone you're on. I've decided to... Testing, oh, testing. I was asking if it was working. Yeah, you're here now. Sorry about that. So... Um, now I've got to figure out what mic's this over here. We're, I'm doing that some housekeeping while we're actually on. Number one. This number is behind one. the we're scenes. Number one down. off. Yep. Ugh. One Ooh. is the loneliest number. We're here. Yeah. If you're it listening is. to the podcast right now, if there's ever um, audio technicalities, problems, it's because of me. So I will try hard to make sure that we are all heard. <laughs> you're going to hide properly. the amount of professional staff you have producing this show for you? It is you? true. I have six people behind the scenes pushing <laughs> buttons, holding up lights, bringing us drinks. <laughs> this is, I wish. All right. We're the working magic on that. of podcasts. I know. Right. Maybe when we hit our three millionth episode. But you guys, it is so nice outside today. We're actually getting fall this year, which is beautiful. So nice. Yeah, so thanks for being inside on a day like today. I do feel weird that it's Thanksgiving next week because I don't know what the last year. You haven't done your shopping yet? For anything. Well, Thanksgiving, I know people shop in advance sometimes a week or two. I don't understand that. I like really fresh produce, so I like to go when everybody's stressed out like the day before. How about you? That's the challenge, yeah. I generally don't like a frozen turkey, so you got to get that thawing out. Oh, I guess so. Well, yeah, some big, I I do two trips, one Mm. with a few things before, but we mostly have fresh stuff so that is uh, last yeah. minute i like, usually do just, six to ten trips you know do you for, for thanksgiving a heavy day, tripper it's like oh can you run and get this yes mm, dear I'll there go get is it. that yes. but like the flowers have to be last minute it's true we get our turkey from if, if people want to plug for for texas turkeys we have a tradition of getting mm. a turkey from a texas smoker so Why do you, you have hate to or, and do they County? ship them up i know yeah and it is smoky this has been Years and years, like my, I have some family from Texas, and it's called Greenbergs, and you have to order it months in advance. It is too late for those listening. It's too Mm -hmm. late, but for next year, there's always next year. It's so smoky and delicious that when they, so you pick a day when it is sitting on your front porch, you can smell it before you open the door. Ooh, so they'll actually deliver on Thanksgiving. Nope, it it comes a couple days before. At least my turkeys are coming a couple of days before. And so do you just heat it up later, or how does mm-hmm. that work? Yeah, okay. you do. It comes comes semi-frozen. Mm. You feel good about the, you know, E. coli process. It, it feels fine. You may have to give it a little warm in the oven, but it comes all ready to go. That sounds like the kind of turkey I need because I'm a vegan, and I cook meat for my family. Right. And sometimes I feel like I probably shouldn't be responsible for something big like that, and I only have been a few times, but I feel like I could do they something like that. They don't appreciate the tofu loaf. I don't do tofu loaf. I don't like fake meat. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not into that. I just make lots of good vegetables. And my uh, great tip is 
I always forget this, but I like Brussels sprouts. I make all I kinds of too. yummy things with them. And I always forget when I go to Trader Joe's that they sell them like in the natural tree form. So if you want to buy oh, them yeah. and they're so cute on their long stalks, I don't know why. Your natural guests don't know. Tree f- I didn't even know. I just thought they Where came the Brussels things that I came threw from? in the garbage can. <laughs> yeah, you know? but no. They, I'll, I'll invite you over every time my wife fixes them. It'll look like not my an favorite. arm with their Brussels sprouts up and down mm-hmm. it. Oh, yeah. Wow. So anyhow, mm-hmm. they're just kind of cute if you're into that. But it's just like a personal thrill to buy them like that. So if you're into that, live in your preference. Yeah, I'm like a broccoli kind of guy. A little boring. A little bro- uh, broccoli's. I like broccoli. Yeah, broccoli's good. I, too. The only I'm an anti cauliflower. You don't like it's, cauliflower. It's probably undeserved, but that's probably the only vegetable that I can think of that I'm I'm not pro. Have you ever roasted it in your oven with some olive oil? I garlic? have it in the big ones yeah. that are you almost you can slice them. I can do yeah. that. But okay. by and large, I just am. And even, you know, I've tried the puree and try like by and large, but I, just, I don't know why. You like kale. Anything. You like kale. I do like kale. Oh. I And I even massage those little teeny yeah. leaves. Uh-huh. All right. Well, Quite the political podcast going yeah, we on. Well, we just have to talk about vegetables because it is Thanksgiving <laughs> right next week. And we're not going to be here, so we've gotten it out of our system. And it really is nicer to talk about Thanksgiving than some of the things we have to talk about because I feel like there's a lot of bad behavior going on in politics. There's also some good stuff, too. We'll get to that. But right now, the big headline in Utah. I hope I don't resemble that comment. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I haven't heard any rumors about you this week unless you'd like to tell us. <laughs> yeah. And if you'd this like week. to, we will be willing to take those first-hand of breaking news. But the audit of A.G. Sean Reyes' office, I don't think came as a surprise this week. Um, The legislature, uh, with Republicans and Democrats calling for that with the legislative audit, uh, the interesting thing is that this isn't new to us. I guess that's not interesting because this is our third time. We've been through this for three attorneys general in a row, and it seems to me like we've got a problem. Mara, do we have a problem with our attorneys general or It does seem like there is a, a curse upon that house yeah. because it is amazing that the last 3 ha- have had sort of substantial questionable behavior. Um, it's interesting the legislative audit. I'm I'm glad that our state auditor is here cuz I had a question. I thought it was appropriate that the um, Senate brought forth a legislative audit, but I've always got a question about the, their scope and Who their frame of reference. Yes. And particularly, like, I have seen the the legislative auditors, audit entities in which they were giving feedback, but frankly, I, d- I disagreed with their paradigm. Like, I've read audits before of quasi-governmental entities, and they're like, I criticize you because that's not how we do it at the legislature. And I'm always thinking, well, right, they're not a legislative body. So they're different. They're not, they, you're applying a rule and a standard that they're not required to live by. So I do have a question. I think it was a political exercise. I don't disagree with it as a political exercise. And I do think that the legislature has the right. So I'm not, I'm not trying to double down that they shouldn't have done it. But I have a question if they'll get to it. And I love that the state auditor is here because he does have the purview. Or, you know, sort of you yeah. know the field. Yes, yeah, so I had an ulterior motive when there I invited you, you to come in to talk about audits and who can do what. Can you talk about audits? If not, you're not on the show. <laughs> you're out. I know because I didn't know if you're allowed to to talk about other people's yeah. auditing process. So yeah, let's hear about yeah, so, what they can actually so, look at. So let me back up really quick. You, you mentioned this is the legislative auditor general. So so in the state of Utah, we have two different auditors. I'm elected. I I have a much broader waterfront of what we look at. I described that the legislative auditor general works for the legislature and he's kind of like special forces. They parachute in into where there's perceived to be a problem by the legislature. And so in this case, um, there's a legislative committee that assigns him what he looks at. 
And so they somewhat determine the box in which he operates for the audit. And the process will be he will then do a performance audit and he will figure out the areas of risk and concern to figure out the scope of what they're going to look at in this audit. And when you think about an office that has about 450 people, if you're trying to go look at everything, it'd be overwhelming and take you years to go do that, even if right. you could accomplish it. And so he's going to spend probably about two months trying to figure out the scope of what they're going to look at and where are the risks that they're going to look. And that's starting from the attorney general all throughout the office. And then based on those risks, they're then going to go identify and dig in to the details to look at what's taking place. Mm-hmm. And, and to your question, Auditors don't just get to make up their mm-hmm. recommendations. They have to have it anchored into something. They have to have it anchored into statute. They have to have it anchored into some type of best practice that they can reference and other things like that. They have to have some type of criteria in which to anchor it. Now, right. you may disagree with that criteria, but that's how they have to go about doing the audit. Right. They'll probably spend you know, probably four, maybe six months in terms of detailed test work and then probably another few months writing it up. So, So best case, this could be done somewhere in about Four to six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could take upwards of a year or potentially longer to complete the audit. And then but the scope will depend on the risks that they encounter. And they may expand their scope or alter the scope as they proceed. So, I mean, I thought what was interesting about it is usually my experience in watching audits from the legislative branch or they anchor it in either legislative rule, depending if that's applicable, or then state statute. But you're looking at an independently elected office, so so there's overlap there. But you're also looking at a lot of the criticisms being perhaps how he has spent his campaign money. And I don't Which know that I can't see that at. as necessarily the purview. Um, and, and that's a great deal of the, the... And even the relationship he's having and the choices he makes about what he represents are, are sort of and, discretionary. And that will be a question that they have to look at. For example, I've told folks, uh, you know, several years ago when... when um, Sean went off to Nevada on a weekend to look at some election issues for President Trump. Folks, I got a complaint. And so right. we looked and said, okay, one, it's over a weekend. There's no indication that he used office resources. That's right. Therefore, I have no authority to look at that. My authority stops at public funds. Right. And what yeah. governmental ent- ent- entities do with those public funds. And so the legislative auditor general will have to figure out to what, what extent he has he authority to. to look yeah. at private activities, campaign funds, or other things like that. And then you also highlighted something. As an elected official, you have a certain amount of discretion. You have mm-hmm. certain statutory duties, but you have certain discretion. And you can't really question how they use their discretion. Do they prosecute or not prosecute? Right. That is something that is their constitutional authority, potentially. Right. And, and it has been proven out for attorney generals, particularly. It does, obviously, um, this action that the, the audit committee took. And again, it's notable that the audit committee is made up of leadership. Let's like I, 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 it, it, that is who is comprising the audit committee is leadership on, and, on, on both, both House and Senate and, 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 and both House sides and Senate. Of the So it is an executive committee and that's who proffered this. So what it clearly indicates is that um, our attorney general has a political problem. And you saw that played out in the fact that Senator Dan McKay has been pushing his name around saying, hey, I'm thinking about running really seriously. And we had our yeah. first uh, guy, Derek Brown, throw his hat formally in by um, For, former state, former exploratory former state committee. representative, and former staffer chair. to Senator Mike Lee and Senator Bob Bennett. And former chair of the state Republican Party. Right. You know, I thought the most interesting thing about Derek Brown saying that he's forming an exploratory committee is Governor Herbert was the one who actually chose Sean Reyes. Um, right. 
originally, and this is a pretty strong statement because he's going to be running that exploratory committee for Derek Brown. Yeah. And so does this put pressure on Reyes so that he ultimately doesn't run or what happens now? I mean, we don't, it's yet to be seen, I think, how much he feels in control of this challenge with, with, um, underground railroad and how much it's going but i mean here's the bad news this has been in the news it has caught people's attention yeah and it's and and it's involved other authorities and this has been and how do you know this we look and see if it's a three-day story this is a three-week story oh yeah so this is gonna be it's long. not going away right we're all we're all hooked on the details and the moving parts with underground railroad and Tim Ballard. So it's not going away, which is bad news for Reyes. I don't think that this was a one and done, turn the page, get people's attention on other things that you're doing the right way. Um, And we've got a filing period, a declarative period that is in January. January 2nd through January 8th. People are going to jump in, right? They're going to jump in fast. And as, as John knows, well, in an inter-party fight, once you get one or two credible opponents, it's an open, it, 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 it's, it's an open blown open, open, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's fair game. No one's going to criticize you if you jump into a race like that. So, And one of the dynamics, uh, you know, any elected official, you're sitting in a situation like this, you're looking and say, okay, here are the things that I'd like to still accomplish in office that I've been working on versus here's the pain I'm going to have to go through doing that mm-hmm. versus here are some other opportunities that don't have the same pain, they're outside of office, but you know, you're having to decide what to do. And, and to a certain extent, you've got a lot of supporters, whether they're in the office or outside who want you to continue. And so sometimes you feel like you're letting them down. I mean, I think this is one of the reasons Orrin Hatch stayed in office so long. He felt like he was letting people down if he stepped down early, if you will, run run for it. And it, and it happens to pretty much every elected official. There's also like a ton of hubris in that decision, right? Like, and it depends on how much yeah. who you're surrounding it, it, yourself isn't with. Isn't there an element of hubris just to run for office? Yeah, you you need it because all the snarky comments you're going to get it like as a survival instinct. But I I just it'll also be interesting. I mean, we talk about this all the time, but the first indication will be how well, particularly Derek Brown, but others, how well do they raise money during the holiday season? I mean, if you see that is early, not easy to and, do, and you already said, well, I mean, you've got indications like Gary Herbert's throwing his public endorsement now. He also may want to be in the mix because we talked last week about his last endorsement was Aaron Mendenhall, uh, uh, um, you know, the, which was sort of a wild mayor, card, which was crazy. But he seems to be wanting to be in the political conversations. So, I mean, that's a big indication if Derek Brown raises money well or if we see others coming in raising money well, I think that all that bodes poorly. Well, and here's one of the other Reyes. dynamics. So Derek can raise money all through the legislative session. Exactly. Um, Sean, myself, and others, we can't, can't raise money during yeah. the session. As soon as the session starts, elected officials can't take money. I hadn't thought about that. Um, so, yeah, that definitely puts... Um, Damper for six to seven weeks. Yeah. yeah, interesting. So it'll be interesting to watch this play out. It doesn't seem great um, for the Attorney General. We did actually talk to him at KUTV yesterday. He was down in St. George for an event. I don't think he was probably pleased that we were down there. It was a long drive for Brian Malahi, mm-hmm. but he went down there and asked him a few questions. And he said, you know what, my office is open, come look at it. But he also said there's no smoking gun. And so mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. I hate that and these, we're... And these allegations are about stuff that's taking place outside the office. For yeah. sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so the big question is, what can they actually look at? Um, are we wasting taxpayer dollars doing this? And will ultimately the lieutenant governor have to look into the spending if we're concerned about a half a million dollars and where they went um, from his campaign funds? Because the legislature, as I understand it, can't look into that, correct? 
I, there's a question to what extent they question. have the authority. Okay. Well, to we, be continued. To be continued. Yes. Yeah, so I just feel like, I feel <laughs> but like. wait, there's more. <laughs> John Swallow and Mark Shirtliff, uh, now Sean Reyes. We obviously and, don't know what's going to come of this, but and, it's a lot and, of investigating. Maybe be, we should elect fair, a Democrat. And to be hey, fair to the others. it up. You know, charges were dropped against Shirtliff and Swallow, you know, right. was exonerated in court. So let's just, let's remember that as well. Yeah. And which is interesting because, I mean, this is something that I think weighed heavily on the state. It cost a lot of money. It took years and years to go through the process for this. So the question is, are we going to do the same with mm -hmm. um, a new attorney general? Because like we've mentioned, they have discretion. They have. So, yeah. Anyhow, we'll see what we have an appetite for and what happens okay. next. Um New legislative leadership this week. They've kind of been eclipsed by that news. But uh, Mike Schultz, who's been on the podcast before, is the new Speaker of the House. He used to be the Majority Leader. Yes. And um, also House Majority Leader Jefferson Moss, House Majority Whip uh, Karen Lizenby, and House Majority Assistant Whip Casey Snyder. Uh, as soon as Mike Schultz was um, formally announced as the new leader, Democrats um, pushed out a press release accusing him of being an election denier and that Republicans have made a bad choice. Uh, anyone agree with that, or have they made a solid a solid choice in Schultz for the House leader? I think he was expected. I mean, I don't think that this was surprising. And I you're think the number two guy in the Republican Party. It's right. natural you're going to yes. step up. Um, and I think he is perceived as most by a He's not a moderate. I mean, he's a conservative for sure, but I think he's perceived by most as a person who will have the conversation. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard that he's an election. I, you know, I've talked to Mike Schultz quite a bit. Yes. And I have not heard him. We haven't had that conversation and we've been around the conversation. Yes. And I don't know that I think he, I, I think he supports the nominee, but I, I, I don't think I'd call him a I was Trumper, actually. I was surprised by that press release, but I'm sort of surprised often by uh, the news releases that do come out from Utah's Democratic Party. They don't have consistent leadership or yeah. consistent messaging. And so it was interesting because they were pushing that out at the same time as what we were talking about last week, that here in Utah, we have both Republicans and Democrats who make that formal vote. And he got a unanimous vote from both Republicans and Democrats in the House. So yeah. the messaging coming from the state party, not the same as the messaging from the Democrats who actually work with him in yeah. the legislative process. And one of the interesting things is he has worked on how do we improve you know, audits over elections and improve the integrity of elections. I do know he's passionate about that. I've had discussions with him about good strategies to go about making sure we're reviewing the election process. Here's what I'll note about the slate is that um, – Everybody with the exception of Jefferson Moss, I just had to look up where he's from. He's from uh, Utah County, Saratoga Springs. Yep, yep. Everyone else is a northern Utah, which has not been unusual for our leadership. Uh, you know, Speaker Wilson was northern Utah, mm. uh, Senator Adams. So um, I don't know that the citizens think about it a lot, but the other people in the body and the caucus and other independent electives think about where these power structures are. And it ebbs and, and flows. When I was in the house, a lot of it yeah. was in Utah County. Exactly. And, and it stayed that way for a while, but we're now on sort of our second generation of leaders who just happen to be coming from it. What, what I think is interesting too, is that by and large, Weber and Davis, I think this is changing a little bit to my disappointment. So if you're living in Weber and Davis, please hold the normal line. By and large, they've been normal. Like they've just been sort of moderate. It's a Republican stronghold. So I'm saying they're, Republicans are being elected, but they've had some independents and moderates and people who are more policy focused than they have been uh, on, you know, throwing flames. It's a little changing now. We, they have a yeah. couple of 
bomb throwers up there right now. But the slate is. Do you want to call out bomb names or no? So the the slate is from Northern Utah. Casey's from way up top. He's the he's the young up in Cash County, sort of the young dog of the group. He he had to fight a little bit more. He was unexpected. This is a new position for him. Him he's coming from rules, Um, so he's sort of new to leadership. Yeah, I saw a couple pairs of Wranglers and some cowboy boots in their original pictures. There are a lot. I think we should have maybe a resolution about white stitching. I mean, that's just one person's opinion. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, it's just, it's one person's opinion. Yeah. So go, go Wrangler. <laughs> go Wrangler. I don't mind Wrangler. I'm just going like, do George Strait solid dark wash and you're mm. looking sharp. Yeah. I feel like when I'm panning your picture and I noticed that you're wearing, then it's probably the wrong jean. That That's just my tip. That's I'm definitely all. a dark you jean know, kind of girl, too. <laughs> now you know what you're buying in for Christmas. <laughs> I don't like distressed jeans. I don't want right. to see the threads. Yeah. I don't like rips. Yeah, I mean, I'm not telling you what to do on Saturdays. I'm just telling you. If that you're roping and riding, you rope you, and ride. You rope and ride. But I'm saying when you're in the house, I can live with your jeans, but let's just do like a grown-up dark wash. That's uh, right. I'm going to say Casey is a true cowboy, so <laughs> this is so, not faux. I was being general about that. Yeah, so if advice. anyone wants more fashion, you know, <laughs> political fashion advice, come here. Mara and I will definitely help with this. Uh, the legislature also starting to look at what they're going to be talking about. I'm, I was going to talk about Schultz a little Ooh, bit more. you were? Okay, I mean, yeah, I, do I, I'm going to say he's going to have a different style than Brad Wilson. He's going to be much more heart-charging, much more aggressive, I believe. You know, Why do you key, say that? Just his personality, his style and stuff. Um, just There's a different mannerism about how they go about doing business. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of, if you will, somewhat the difference between uh, Brad Wilson and Greg Hughes yeah. and stuff like that. So, and, and each of the speakers, they have different approaches of how they – lead the body and how they engage on policy. I think you will see Schultz focus a lot on federalism issues. I think you'll see him focus on um, air quality issues and concerns there, especially because of the risks that our air quality issues might impact our transportation. Uh, I think you'll see him focus a lot on water issues. So I think that's some of his agenda as you look for his leadership. He's also passionate about conservation. He's a farmer and a rancher now, and um, he spends a lot of time on wildlife sort of mitigation and making land healthy and usable. Yeah, and we've been talking a lot about the Great Salt Lake, and I mm-hmm. think that that will remain a focus when you're from Hubbard. Yeah, I think he will champion. Yeah. I think, you know, Brad Wilson really did make it his hallmark issue, and I think that the handoff between Speaker Wilson and Speaker Schultz is really keeping um, the Great Salt Lake and the issues and how to long-term mitigate that. They'll keep it in the forefront. In fact, the day after the new slate got elected yesterday, they had their symposium, their water summit, in which um, Brad Wilson got the first, I don't remember, award for focusing on water. Uh, honorary and Ice Cube? I can't remember <laughs> what the name of the award was. It would be much better if I could remember the name of the award. And Schultz gave it to him, and Speaker Schultz is who uh, sort of emceed the water symposium. So I think I think that those agendas will continue to be in the forefront. All right, we're thinking about water. They're also starting to think towards legislation, legislative section because it's not that far off. And one interesting thing that I've been We've been hearing a lot about whether we can legislate people into the good behavior of making sure that we're keeping pedestrians safe or road rage. But another one that's coming up um, is the idea of school guardians. We're starting to hear more about this across the country. And the concept is that you have at least one armed person in every school. A lot of our schools, uh, especially junior highs and high schools, have a school resource officer who's... um, they're on site pretty much every day, but some of those other schools that don't, they're thinking, you know, maybe there'll be a janitor or a secretary or a teacher. Uh, Auditor Dougal, your kids are out of the elementary I'm phase. I'm just only John. But you will, just just John, I'm going to call you that, so I like alliteration. You can call me frugal. 
frugal doogle. Um, you're going to be having grandchildren who are coming into the elementaries. I have one right now. You two have years one old. right now. So a few years from now, they're going to be in elementary school. Do you like the idea of moving to a place where we have someone armed in schools, or is there a big question mark because maybe it's a bad idea to have random people in our schools armed? Where do you stand on this one? Uh, generally, I'm okay with folks being armed. Um, I think when it comes to schools, I, I would hope that uh, those that are armed uh, have some good training. They understand the risks of, of kids that are around. And uh, if you unfortunately have to use the gun to defend them, you make sure you don't have innocence in the line of fire. Um, and also making sure folks don't accidentally leave guns in purses or in restrooms or other things like that. And so there's a certain amount of uh, training that I would hope those individuals would get if they're going to place themselves in that position where they're being relied upon. Yeah, and we already have um, people in our schools. I remember a few years ago, I can't even remember when it was or what school, but there was a teacher who I think was using the restroom and had a, right, and it went off and shot body parts. Well, I don't think there's any body parts. I would prefer to be shot. So, I mean, there's questions about safety and making sure you're trained. And then you look at sometimes having trained resource officers. If you look to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas in Florida, they had resource officers at the school, and afterwards they found that some of them, instead of running to the danger, were hiding from the danger. So I, it's hard to know what the yeah, right I answer is. Yeah, I mean, so is. this is a tough issue because we're all worried about it. So yeah. I want to put us on the level playing field that there's no one who doesn't care about our kids' safety and what's going on. And most of the sort of rationale for these is not sort of worried about children's behavior. We're worried about mass shooters. Yeah. And so when we look at mass shooting, what I am worried about is that we are making these decisions based on feelings. And some of the statistics that I think are worth considering is that um, – most of the time, most good school resource policies across the nation don't allow rookie cops into the situation for the same reason that I'm going, the same rationale that I'm worried about these assigned guardians. And it is because most police officers, it's pretty standard to have a minimum of 40 extra training hours a year, you know, post-training on all different kinds. But with no exceptions, every law enforcement officer needs to retrain on their use of guns, right? And so if you look nationally at statistics, um, it a, a trained officer who has years of experience um, in a shooting, in an active shooter environment where someone is shooting back at you, the average hit rate for policemen is in the teens. It's somewhere between 13 and 18% is the average hit rate with a trained officer. So shooting the bad guy. That seems guy. low to me. And then if you're not being shot at, the average hit rate is in the 30s. So it's much harder. Now, these are all at a, at a reasonable distance. The closer you get, the more likely we all are to hit our targets. But I am concerned that we're approaching this emotionally. And what we know of most gun incidences is that unless you are really mentally ready and really well-trained, really well-trained, you are probably likely to hurt yourself or others more than the bad guy. There are very few, there are, but there are very few incidences of strangers who got the bad guy. And I'm not talking about whether you should or shouldn't carry a weapon, but I'm talking about the efficacy of having armed people there. Because I think what it's doing in my mind is much like me taking my shoes off at the airport. And I'm not so sure that it's Security not, theater. it just feels good to me. And so I, I, 
I know it's hard to not approach the problems with our children with emotion, but I am incredibly doubtful that anybody but a seasoned trained officer, and even in those incidences, they may not be the answer to shooting. I mean, what we do know is that the automated weapon and the mass shooting have a relationship. We, we, we're not sure that the automated weapon in, in general carry, but we do know that the automated weapon... And to not have that conversation at all. You're saying automated or semi-automated? All, yeah, semi and automated. Okay. Like mass shootings, requ- the, the commonality there is the access to a certain kind of weaponry. Okay. And we're answering that question I by saying... I just want to make sure folks understand yeah. machine guns are illegal. Yeah, right. So that's generally what we're not... Okay, well, keep going. unless you modify it after the sale. <laughs> and so, but we're not having that conversation. We're sort of saying, what would happen if we had more armed people? And I'm just saying the deterrent? efficacy rate, it doesn't seem to be, right? It, it, are, mass, are, are these things going away? And do we have yeah. more and more weapons in America? And the more we arm ourselves, are we having less of a gun problem in America? But I just would reminds people of what the hit rate is and those are that's data that's not emotion that's data and that comes from people who have had law enforcement training so i'm highly skeptical that these are not anything but perhaps introducing more weapons into a system of education and learning and so this is not something i support well one of my questions is i mean i think we look and say schools seem to be too often a target and why is that the case? And I think we as society are wrestling with why have our schools just become a target for too many of these incidents? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I hate feeling silent, but yeah, I don't know. I guess it's... I mean, we put signs up there that say unarmed and other things like that, which some will say that makes them a target, but I don't know. It statistically doesn't make them a target. But I mean, that, but that there's is, something, that's an emotional reaction yes, to yeah, it. Yeah. Statistically, that is not true. Introducing more weapons has not seemed to make a difference. I mean, if you look at where most crimes like this are happening, they're in states that have pretty fluid gun laws. These are, you know, they have states in which, you know, concealed carry is okay. But what we know is what it takes to intervene. It is why we have professional law enforcement. So is there... The, I guess some states have asked the question, is it worth taxpayer dollars then to take care of our most precious resource, which, are, which is our children, and use taxpayer dollars and hire police to actually protect our schools? Do we need that, or is that just a scary thing for kids to have to go someplace where they have an armed guard out front? If you have to answer, if, if, if you want to pull at that lever, I would say, yes, you need officers. The levers that I would rather pull at is access to semi-automatic and automatic weapons, background checks, cooling off periods, mental health checks, and going at the base problem of why particularly young men are having a propensity to violence. Those are longer leads. They're harder things to tackle. They won't completely solve the problems. But I think that statistically, it for me, it is crystal clear that the data shows that the proliferation of weapons and gun crimes have a relationship. And you need to look no farther than the United States and compare it to other equal developing countries who aren't as permissive um, and as resolved about gun ownership, and they just don't have the gun violence problem that we have. One of the other challenges you have is, I mean, we look at some instances where you've highlighted that officers are there and they either flee the situation or don't go into the schools for 
extended periods yeah, of time, like Texas. down in Texas. Yeah. 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 Now, we in also fairness, have... they didn't follow standard protocol. Like I'm not like we, I'm not like yay hurrah. But the good news was they screwed up. Like it, yeah, there are better people know better. They did the wrong thing. But thank goodness, if you had done what you were trained to do, that would have prevented lives. The standard right. is out there. The one of the other challenges, though, is is what I hear from the data is when you have a school resource officer, certain incidents that would be dealt with by the principal. Now you engage law enforcement in it, and it gets escalated into a situation that probably isn't what most people intended. Yes. And that can cause other long-term ramifications for those students that are trying to figure out how and to And I would give a standing life. ovation to that. Because law enforcement, I believe, if you must insert them into the school, shooting, uh, the school area, it should only be for shootings. Truancy, give the kid... Like, don't send your child to the law enforcement tunnel unless you absolutely have to. Yeah, yeah. Um, because those, those are helpful. But that's for a certain thing. They're a tool for a certain type of incident. And a certain they are type. not a universal kind. So of. well said. Yeah. So well said. Uh, oddly enough, we were having this discussion at my house. I have a senior in high school, a teenager, and I, we were hanging out talking to some of the teenage boys the other night, and we were talking about how some of the things that we did as teenagers ourselves in high school we're kind of like silly and funny, or maybe the principal will be like, okay, let's not do that again. And it's vastly different. You could do those same things and then it ends up a news story and then the police are involved. So times have changed. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right though. School resource officers, if we, I'm not persuaded they're a great idea, but the only good idea would be there for this, this major incident or even frankly, an emergency in which you're evacuating or a fire. I mean, I think they could be useful for major incidences, but not for minor disciplinary measures that should be between that you should, you should give the kid a chance to grow up. No spankings in class again. <laughs> the reads back in the olden days. Okay, so we're headed towards an election. It is weird that we're talking Thanksgiving next week and the election. Um, we're delayed a couple weeks we to the CD2, second yes. congressional. So, and I think a lot of people have been confused by that, but hopefully the fact that we do have ballots on countertops doesn't confuse it for you because you've got it. It has the dates on it to turn it in. But um, on Tuesday, the voter turnout was only 22%. There was an update to those numbers today. Now it's up to a whopping 25%. So, so that 22% was statewide or across CD2? Or CD2. CD2. So, I mean, that should be the highest turnout is when you're looking at yeah. CD2. And I'm like, seriously? And the interesting thing, and maybe you guys can tell me because you look at the math of this more, but there's a lot of talk about gerrymandering in the state of Utah and the congressional districts, and there's no way that a Democrat could be elected in some of these districts. But when I'm looking at 25% voter turnout, and we only have a few days left, so obviously there are going to be more people that vote at the last second and like to vote on election day, but it seems to me the numbers are low enough that any candidate who actually got people to turn out to vote and to participate could win in this race because that is appallingly low. This is these are these are wah, wah numbers. Yeah. These are horrible numbers. So why even are we for fired an off up? cycle? Yeah, um, you know it's an odd time of year, and uh, the t couple days before municipal elections are already hard to get people's attention. And neither of these candidates have raised very much money, which is actually not a criticism. They didn't have a long cycle. It's not that sexy. And frankly, money is speech. And so we're just not seeing. Think about how many times we have to be reminded. Um, the reason we vote in presidential elections is because there's just more money thrown at reminding you to do that. I don't watch much TV, but the Mike Lee, Evan McMullen race. Oh, I mean, you and, couldn't and, avoid and, it. And the super PACs, <laughs> you got inundated. I yeah. think I've seen four ads. Exactly. Three for one candidate, one for the other candidate 
And we should all be, I mean, like we're targeted demographic. The three of us news junkies yeah. should be seeing banner ads and, and you know, that at least even if you're not watching television, you should have the ads pushed to you. But it, these are incredibly low numbers. I don't think there's much enthusiasm for it. I think it's also a foregone conclusion. The interesting piece for me is that it does still, our friends, our superstars who really came through for Celeste Malloy in the primary, they're performing again. You've got Wayne County at the top of the list, Paiute County. Now, Heidi, to your point, that probably results in, you know, 72 people. But hey, good for yeah. you guys. You're performing well. So it looks like rural counties are more enthusiastic, which is interesting because they don't have anything else. The So so I, I think it, one interesting thing is depending on who files against Celeste, depending on which Republican or if any Republican files against Celeste Malloy, I don't know that the Republican should presume the 2023 CD election will in fact be the 2024. Um, it might, but it might not be because so few Republicans will have weighed in on the 23. To your point, you could have a whole new race still inter-party Republican and have entirely different results. The other stat that was so interesting to my fellow Salt Lakers, we are only like 22%. And that's Ugh. with what is supposed to be a hot mayoral race. And so we are not doing well. I mean, that turnout is abysmal. Well, it's, and, it's off of it, standard. And here's the kicker. You talked about municipal elections just being low turnout, and yet we've gone to vote by mail. We've made it really easy. Yeah, it's not hard. It's I mean, sitting on your countertop. Counter take your pen, mark a couple spots, lick the envelope, don't sign pay your name. For, don't pay for shipping. Just put it back in your box. Yeah, return it for free. <laughs> and Tawilla, pull it together, 17%. Tawilla. So you guys, we, we could shame you, but I, it, this, these are really low standards. And they'll punch up, I, I'm guessing, but maybe not, because this is not one of those well, elections in the primary, that are going to get noisier. When we had a lot of folks that were undecided, Yeah, and, and I, I think I gave a prediction of what was going to turn out, and you guys thought I was crazy when I did mm -hmm. that, but... but you know, there were folks that were undecided because they couldn't decide between the three. I doubt there's many folks that are undecided in this race. Yeah. Between the Republican and Democrat, that's a pretty easy choice. So here's my question, um, and I don't know if you guys are willing to admit this, but in your circles, do you hear people who are saying they might be willing to run, depending on how things turn out in the CD2 race, and then file in January? Because you don't have a lot of time to figure things out between when we actually have a winner declared and how many weeks you have to decide if you want to run against a new sitting congressperson. I haven't had anybody... So I heard nothing. This nothing. is this is where I think politics are interesting. I had heard nothing until I started hearing the buzz of Sean Reyes. And then what was interesting is suddenly we start I started hearing people go, "Oh, well if the AJC does open and they move here and then this person moves here and then this person moves mm. here and then I suddenly started hearing that CD2 was in play for that political chess. But I haven't, so that that's the first time. Otherwise, I'm with John. It has been pretty quiet about someone challenging. Where's Greg Hughes today? Is he gathering signatures? He is I he, he is in southern Utah. Mm. Oh, goodness. Yes. I don't think he is. But this is how rumors start. Yeah, this is, let's start He's him. just taking a break he from us. He is just taking a break. And speaking of the election, um, obviously the rest of the country has already had election day, and the FBI and U.S. Postal Inspection Service uh, had to investigate if few suspicious envelopes, including some they believe could have been laced with fentanyl that were sent to election offices in Georgia, Nevada, California, Oregon, and Washington. And so our lieutenant governor went and delivered um, Narcan and testing strips to our clerk's offices. Is this overkill or is this a good idea to make sure that we have safe elections? 
overkill. Medical I, professionals I, I I've talked overkill. to said this is utterly overkill. <laughs> you have to have extended exposure, meaning constant exposure for days and days for it to have an effect. And incidental touching an envelope does not do it. Yeah, I mean, there's probably fentanyl on most of our money. We know there's cocaine on our money. Like, I'm not, I felt like this was. Wow, what do you know? <laughs> I don't know where you're getting your dollar bills. I don't know. Well, <laughs> the good news is we're using less money. So, I mean, I think so this I mentioned is frugal doodle. My wife doesn't give me much totally, of an allowance. Totally, totally overkill. Okay. Well, they're going to be safe just what in do case. What you think? I I thought I felt like it was an overkill, but it. I mean, I I like people to be safe. If you've got more Narcan in more offices and people know how to use them, I guess that's fine. The only thing I was wondering is you do hear those rare cases with police officers where they come in contact with it and something happens. So I, I liked guess, the distribution of Narcan. Yeah. I yeah. was like, hey, like you should keep it. Like Narcan's really great to have around. Yeah. Even if the purpose. Yeah, the medical a, folks a I've talked to said up. those police incidents are. are that's not quite the same situation. That's not the same and not normal. So, yeah, it seemed like a lot going on. But I guess the interesting thing is is that we can, I guess, learn from the elections. If We, we should just have ours a week after everyone else's all the time. Yeah. See what goes wrong. We can fix it and make sure it doesn't happen to us. Make a great election. Yeah, that wouldn't I'll work be in a presidential. Turnout. If you got your fentanyl, keep it to yourself. <laughs> we'll save our six points in the uh, federal election, and you'll have to That's wait right. and see a week later to see. But presidential mm-hmm. elections often these days aren't decided till a week later anyways. Did you inspect your kids' Halloween candy this year? I did not. And I have an 18-year-old who actually said he was going to go trick-or-treating. And, and I think years ago people would have been like, oh, you're over the age of 12. You can't go. I was like, okay, go. But he didn't go trick-or-treating, so there was no candy to inspect. Oh, no, no mommy tax? No. Um, and I can't eat Halloween candy because I have food allergies to just about anything delicious. So did you tax your grandchildren? No, no. He, he was trick-or-treating at home he didn't he wasn't at the grandparents yeah peanut butter cups used to be my you know what i would steal so now i have just developed a new process that tastes better and is just higher quality almond butter with dark chocolate chips on top oh that's nice yeah you don't get the little fun size lettuce packs Mm, i have actually thought about that and i've given out healthy (laughs) snacks to the neighborhood kids before it wasn't super popular so this is my dad my dad gives out healthy snacks yeah oh do you know what i do it's embarrassing there's a trace of either a fun size candy bar or a dollar bill. Really? What do they take? And pretty much if you're two or above, you take the dollar bill. I've really? only had one kid in, I think, six years that we've done it, one kid that's over two that took the candy. Hmm. They all are smart enough to take the dollar bill because I, I can buy a dollar bill. How many dollar bills do you get? How many do you give away? I know this doesn't uh, sound very frugal. I think, frugal we, I, I think, like, you're just, you're I think just, we gave her away about 50 bucks. Wow. Um, and, and the dynamic, though, is when you think back what we did in the past, which is we'd buy a bag of candy, eat it, buy a bag of candy, <laughs> eat it, buy a bag of candy. We did You're six saving bags money. Of candy yeah. Saving we money actually saved money the first healthier. year. That's right. Huh. That's yeah. Interesting. That's an interesting little experiment there. Yeah. That and is an idea. I kind of like that idea. And I, I mean, candy's so expensive, anyways. I'd rather have a dollar bill in my pocket. And I have a bunch of trashy candy at my house now because I didn't want anyone eating it. So I bought the kind that you look at and you you don't want to steal. So now, <laughs> sorry, neighborhood kids, we gave you trashy candy and we were left with a half a bag of trashy candy. So <laughs> what is trashy candy? What's like, like? Are you talking the dum dum? You know? No, not dum dums. But you can buy at Costco either the chocolate bag or the stuff that's just pure sugar that will rot your right. face off. 
That's what I bought. Oh, there you go. Yes, sir, neighborhood moms. <laughs> that's what we that's what we gave your children. So there we have it. See, we're learning all these fun new things about us. Uh, Look at uh, the kids with fa- without faces in uh-huh. Heidi's neighborhood. Sorry, guys. I gave you the candy. So Thanksgiving's coming up next week. Uh, Congress is taking their official break after today. I think they're done. They're probably on flights headed mm-hmm. home as we speak right now. They did pass. Or, or home already. Home already, I yeah. know some flew home last, yesterday, oh, last night. They were out of there. Oh, yeah. Um, but Congress passed their continuing resolution as we suspect. So come January and then a couple weeks later in February again, we're going to be discussing whether or not we have a government shutdown. Can they fund anything? The thing I thought was interesting that there was no funding that went for Israel, Ukraine or the U.S.-Mexico border. Did you expect that, Mara, or did you think that was going to get shoved through somehow with this CR? Um, it, you know, I expected it early on, maybe the first day of Speaker mm-hmm. Johnson, but quickly afterwards, no. And they took the path that that stay, you know, kept the government open. They don't get any gratitude from me during this season, though, because they're not doing their jobs. And they're and no holiday it, cheer from you. No holiday cheer. I don't reward mediocrity. You had I, one job. I, <laughs> exactly. That's how I feel. And like yeah. they gave the speech where they're like, oh, we've been working for such and such straight and we're going home to take a break. I'm like, what are you, 16 and still learning a work ethic? They're utterly failing at their jobs. And so <laughs> barely getting Wednesday. by yeah. is not, a, I'm no gold stars. There are no participation ribbons. You're big kids. You stink at what you're doing. You're not dealing with the hard problems. I'm glad that there are essential and non-essential employees who are still getting a paycheck. So they do get a, a moment like of like, good for that- you for not blowing up Ruining the government. The yeah, but you don't get rewarded you, for f- still continuing to fail to do your job with any sort of ability or stewardship. How many They're, how many decades have they been doing this? I mean, come on. This isn't even that hard. You just have to sit down and be a grown-up. So, like, no. I'm not. Like, I'm still disgusted. And I'm glad that the government is still open. But they punted on all the hard stuff. And they – so I, it was masterful. Again, like, my, the political part of me says, good job. You – I mean, it would have been utter catastrophic – failure to go into the holidays without a functioning government but like if that's like what you your standard is now then still shame on you congress when they gave speaker johnson a pass of what they would what they tossed mccarthy out for yeah for sure so. Yeah, I mean, and and then they're like fighting and elbowing each other. I mean, if you have it's not yet, of bad behavior. it would be impossible to have not seen the Senate with Bernie Sanders being the throwdown man. But like that was completely unacceptable from the dais. A sitting U.S. senator challenges a Teamsters to to a throwdown in the chamber. And you had to have, how old is Bernie Sanders? Like early 80s, right? He's 80 something. He yeah. like has to break up the brawl. I mean, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I had somebody one time challenge me to a duel in the courtyard at the Capitol. Nice. I'm like, I'm like seriously? Really? Would seriously? you have been able to pick who, the who weapon? Who was this? Could you have been like, <sighs> yeah. Kung Fu, let's do it right Didn't now. go that far. I'm like, <laughs> give me a break. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing coming from Congress this week too is that while they're all leaving, uh, there are some things getting accomplished. Oh my gosh, I've just lost his name. Who's on bad behavior? Who may or may not have an Santos. account? Santos. 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 There's so many on bad behavior. It's hard to choose. Yes. Menendez. So, who are yes. you talking about? So Santos seems like he's probably on his way out. Um, he's announced he's not running for re-election. Yeah. So I guess there's been enough political. If you pressure. believe that. 
I don't uh, know. I'm waiting for his reality show announcement. I don't think Pretty we need excited. that. I don't think it would be reality. I think it would be fantasy show. <laughs> yeah. Could be. So, yes, three, all kinds of bad Three lies and no truth. Yeah, exactly. So maybe if they're all going home over Thanksgiving break, they can think about what they've done, go back and do better work and put their grown-up pants on because, yeah, I don't know what. They've had, as you mentioned, I mean, they should have had this done. The budget, I think the original bills were put out in July before they went home for their summer break. So if they really wanted to work on it, they all could have taken it home with their highlighters and gone over it then. So. But they all seem flummoxed by it. Yeah. Like here's the saving grace. We won't hear about the about the budget crisis on December 23rd and how they're working on Christmas Eve to get the budget done. We don't have to hear that this that year. That is so true. We that can is just nice. listen to it when it's dirty snow and cold time, and then they can tell us how they're doing They'll give us something to complain about in January and February. I should know, so too. So I, I want to know, yeah. to you two. Yes. Do we, are we asking the federal government to do too much? If it's this dysfunctional, and I think we all agree, are we asking them to do more than they can really do? No. This is just poor performance. This is stupidity. But it's been poor performance for years and years. Right. And, and there's no call and response between the, the public. Aisle. A few weeks ago, I'm going to rarely, you know, reprise something Greg Hughes said only to agree with okay, it. Okay. Wow. But like he said, it is time to throw them all out. Like it, I, even if you're good. You are Was a this part during his campaign for CD two or not? <laughs> I mean, but like you're a part of that's an ironically good point. But it's like enough, enough already. Like stop excusing yourself. Stop. It's just this is there is no employee alive who would pass this level of poor performance measures. Yeah, and it's it it is time for a disruption. But here's the call to action. It's in our hands. Like we could vote. We new could make the choice. Out. There's yeah. no employee. I got a call from my sister who lives in Portland. Okay. Complaining about the teachers union up there that's on strike. And she's just like, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. The infighting, will. the stupidity. She's just like. Yeah. I think part of it when you look at it, I mean, I think the federal government tries to be everything to everybody. And at some point, there's so many things that are funded that are people's pet projects. Or once we have something nice, it's hard to take it away that there's neither side, Republicans or Democrats, who can sit down and make a budget, but we all have to do it as families. We do it as a state. You sit down, and if you can't afford it, you don't have it. And there are some families who obviously live on credit card debt and don't. You don't have but a Hatch family shut down? No, we three do not have a, a Hatch family shut down because we like our power. We like our water, as we were talking about earlier. You know you know what you need. You know what it takes to make it happen. And people, if they can't pay their bills, they get a side hustle or an extra job. So I feel like if the federal government would think about budgets the way the rest of the world has to operate, we wouldn't have these problems. And I know they know it. They all have homes they have to deal with. So <sighs> mm. let's go home over the holidays, think about what we've done, and try <laughs> to be better in the new year. Do we think it'll happen? Mm. See, that's the sad part. We don't think it can happen. And every year, I And just, let's go back to how many people have voted in the CD2? I know. I know. Maybe this is part of the challenge as well. Because I, I tell folks, your elected officials represent the voting public. They represent their constituency, for better or worse, and we sometimes don't want to admit that, but they do represent. And by represent, I think you mean reflect, right? Yeah. Yes, reflect. Like, okay, you think they're schmucky? Then maybe take a look in the mirror, because they are surprisingly reflective of, you know, the entitlement malaise, yeah. and like, I'm telling well, you, we, the fiddler is starting here. From so my perspective, some debt, not a control spending, and then you talk about people with their credit cards and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. true. All right, we need more. This was a downer. Good women and men to step up, run for office, and pull yeah. us together. Spend your holidays thinking about filing for office. Yeah. First, did you say the January 2nd through 8th? I thought it was the end of the month. Ooh. 
No, no, they, they used to be they in March and they up. moved it up. Literally, okay. it's the second day of the new year. All right, yeah, so a new year's resolution. Thought. Yeah, talk to your family Run. about it over the holidays. We'll see how it goes. And then if you're bored, um, I did notice before we came in here to record, uh, the new house speaker has, as he promised, releasing all the January 6th tapes. So if you would like to go through thousands of hours of tapes, wow. the new house speaker public. in DC. In DC. Yes, not, in, not, not in Mike Schultz. Schultz. Mike Schultz um, does not have access to those. <laughs> yes, I know there's two House speakers right now. One was an easier um, vote than the other. So, yay, Utah, we're doing great work. Uh, please do send in your ballot if it's still sitting on your countertop. Just open it up. See who's on you there. You have until Tuesday. Yeah, you have until Tuesday. You can literally drop it off until 8 p.m. when the polls close. It'll take us a little longer to count it and check your signature, but we can make it happen. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a happy Thanksgiving.